available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the scout.com network. And we are the podcast of champions. If you want to get a hold of us, our website is pack12podcast.com. You can also tweet us at pack12podcast, email us pack12podcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a voicemail, give us a call 641-715-3900 extension 734. 972. We can subscribe on iTunes. It's a great way to consume the program and uh, leave us some positive feedback. Dave, I haven't checked our iTunes uh, mentions and, and feedback lately. Hopefully we got some good reviews in there. Yeah, we've been pretty good for a while. Uh, I want to say we had something like 30-ish reviews. Okay. Uh, look, I mean, pretty heavily five-starred as it should be. Yeah. I would think, you know, this is, hey, you no, know, I'm going to pull it up right now. You know, check it out. We- the people need to know. We have 42 ratings and a perfect five-star rating. Pretty good. I like it. That's not bad. No. That, um, that pays the bills, so to speak, if this actually paid any bills whatsoever, <laughs> if it actually made even the, the slightest ounce of money. It uh, it creates some bills. It creates uh, some bills. It creates, uh, well, I mean, kind of. Time, I mean, you know. Time. Yeah, there's yeah. a value to time. Sure. Um, uh, time finite, so you can assign <laughs> a monetary value to it. Yeah. Um, well, how was your weekend of college it was football? It's good. I uh, enjoyed watching uh, a lot of games, actually. I uh, wasn't anticipating it being a good weekend, but it ended up uh, being, you know, I, I think the Pac-12 was maybe light on super enjoyable stuff over the weekend, though there were a couple of good games. Um, but I thought college football as a whole was pretty fun this weekend. Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, I, I tried to focus on the, the Pac-12 stuff. I had to... Watch a little old miss. I wanted to see at Orgeron what he was doing there. Um, and I, my wife and I actually, cause USC was on a bye and Tennessee, a team that she follows was on a bye. So we ended up going out to the uh, Palm Springs area out in Indio and just kind of renting a little casita and hanging up by the pool and watching some games. So it was a kind of relaxing uh, weekend where we got to consume some college football, do a little grilling and uh, have some fun. Didn't have to, don't have to worry about covering a game, Dave. It was kind of nice. Yeah. I really appreciated it when I tweeted at you, hey, how about this game or whatever? And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm by the pool. They only have this one game on. And I'm like, oh, okay. Bastard. Yeah. Um, we did have an outdoor yeah. TV. We were, so we were watching out there, but, but some of, sometimes in the jacuzzi, Dave, I was watching from the hot tub. So sometimes it's hard to see, you know, a little glare. No, I, I hear you. It's a tough life. It's a tough life out, out, out there at Palm Springs. I love the desert, man. It's kind of, uh, uh I mean, I love yeah. the beach more, but it's fun to go to the desert every once in a while and just kind of chill. I'm more of a mountains forest kind of guy, as you might imagine. With the beard? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it gets sandy if I go on the beach, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was pretty good uh, overall. Some surprise. Over, okay, okay, so we there's a little controversy with our picks this week. So we I need to address this now. We'll bring it up. Um, because we didn't have a line for UCLA-Utah... 
Um, that was the only I game was, we... I was going to bring this up, Ryan. So. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. I, so I, so we'll, whatever you decide is fine. But I, I picked Utah. We thought it was a pick em. I picked Utah. You picked UCLA. But then the line came out and UCLA was favored by like a touchdown. And so we were like, well, we did the show on Monday. Can we change our picks? I wasn't sure what to do. I thought we should probably ask the tweets and stuff. But what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, I think my fundamental issue is that I made the grim, awful mistake of picking UCLA to win the game. So regardless of our text message later in the week that obviously had us both taking Utah and the points, you know, Utah plus seven was an obvious pick there. Um, I, I think you've got to get the point here and I take the loss. Okay. I think but- that's, I think that's only fair. But to, to be fair, once you found out that you still, you were going to have to give up, if we could have, we could have kept the pick the same, whatever pick them, but once it was a seven point swing, then you were like, no, I, w- I would take Utah plus seven. Right. So just know in your hearts, listeners, that I was right against the spread, but I, I'm willing to take the L here. Okay. Um, so it wasn't a great week for us either way. Uh, that would put you at one, three and one, and I was two, two and one. Um, We'll get into the games because I think there was some, I feel like we were on the right side of things. And then like there were some decisions by Chris Peterson that maybe put us on the wrong side, <laughs> things like that happening. Like I felt like we, we sort of knew what was going to happen in the games, but the, the lines didn't work out. That, that happens sometimes. That's when, you know, when you're betting on the, the, the point spread, that, that definitely can happen, uh, especially yeah. big point spread numbers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, the, We'll get to, you know, recapping these games, but yeah, there were a couple that felt like they could have easily gone a different way if teams had kept the foot on the gas, so to speak. Well, we do have some questions. We'll get to those at the end. We're going to do our, uh, week eight, uh, recap and then we'll do our week nine preview. Then we'll answer some of your questions. Um, so let's jump right in, I guess, Dave. The, uh, the, the most exciting game, I guess you could say, uh, if you like offense was Friday night, uh, Oregon and Cal. That was a pretty crazy one. This was tons of fun. Um, this was, so Oregon, uh, lost 52-49 in overtime. Uh, Oregon's now, just let's get this out of the way. They're now two and five and 0 and four in the Pac-12. Um, but this game was bonkers. Uh, Cal was up 31-14 at half. Seemed like they had it in hand, especially with the way Oregon's played this year where they haven't really been at, you know, in years past when you would watch Oregon, you would always say, oh, they might be down at the half or they might be close to the half, but they're going to turn it on in the second half and just blow them away. Um, that hasn't really happened this year, but in this game, it actually kind of did. Um, they scored 28 in the second half. Uh, Cal only scored 11 and that pushed it to overtime. Um, but this was, this was tons of fun. Uh, Cal's offense was obviously spectacular. Uh, Davis Webb was great, even though he had a hurt hand. Uh, their rushing attack, which has been actually secretly good all year. Um, and people keep talking about Cal having a bad rush offense. Not the case. Um, and it hasn't been the case really all year. Uh, but Oregon, I mean, Justin Herbert's a guy. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a guy who's going to be pretty good down the road. Um, and he had a really nice second half, but, this is just back and forth, back and forth. And it was, you know, honestly, I mean, as much as it kind of is fun from a schadenfreude standpoint to uh, to always root against the uh, Pac-12 powers from the last five years, it was nice to see Oregon get competitive in the second half. It wouldn't have been it's it's not it's not fun to see them just get blown out by 30 points every game. So it was nice to see them fight back, make it to overtime and then and then ultimately lose. This was uh this was longer than the Dodgers game. I mean, this was I went I went to the whatever game. I think it was game four. Game, no, I went to the Thursday game in LA. I guess that was game five. 
And uh, I'd only been to one other Dodger game all year. It was a Kershaw, like one nothing, hour and 55-minute game. This one was like more than twice as long as the other game I went to. It was so long. And then this game the <laughs> was even longer than that. How crazy it was. Cal had a chance to win. Their great kicker misses a, a, a game winner at the end of the game to go into overtime. I thought that was kind of weird. And I feel, yeah. Dave, that I jinxed all of our listeners and the entire Pac-12, the whole West Coast, to be honest. When we started talking about, you know, there's not as many flags in the Pac-12 lately. And a holy crap, that was, now that just, maybe they heard that and they did, now there's just like a flag fest. They were all, uh, over the place, but it was, there wasn't a lot of defense, like as you could see with the, the score, the way it was. And one of the, the plays that kind of epitomized this game, I think it was in the second quarter, Cal's up 21-7, uh, it's fourth down, like in their own territory, and they just go for it and get it easy. It's like you just—I think they kind of got the feeling, Dave, that you're gonna have to score a lot of points. So they didn't feel all that comfortable being up twenty-one-seven. So yeah, our own territories, go for it on fourth down. Who cares? We'll get it. And uh, and it just—it was just an offensive uh, explosion on both sides. Well, and frankly, Oregon was somewhat lucky to be that close. I mean, yeah, they scored forty-nine points, but. If you look at like the the numbers from this one, I mean Cal dominated this game, uh, 200 more yards, um, and it was really just kind of lucky that Oregon was even in it at the end. Um, both so to your penalty point, the two teams combined for 28 penalties, <laughs> 279 yards of penalties. Wow! That if this game hadn't been so fun on offensively, it would have been unwatchable. If because that was like a, attempts, so like if it was like 28 attempts for 279 yards, or whatever, that's a, that's a pretty good quarterback rating, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that, that would be pretty close to what Joe Williams did to UCLA, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of crazy. You know, Cal was running the ball. It wasn't just Davis Webb too. They were running the ball in chunks. Um, that, like Oregon was playing like a, a four or five men front a lot. They had like five men in the box. They're backing all these guys off. And Kyle, to their credit, just kept kind of running through them, you know? Um, yeah. So, and, you know, and then they start playing off and Kyle would just play some pitch and catch. And there was times in this game, Dave, where I was like, Oregon should never throw a pass again because they were running the ball really well. So, um, it wasn't just like an air raid sort of thing where you see Oklahoma, Texas Tech. I mean, there was a lot of good run plays in this one, too. Yeah. No, this was, I mean, this was a lot of fun from both sides. I thought, I mean, Cal and, and Washington State are very much evolving. Um, you know, both teams are running the ball quite a bit more this year than they have in the past. I think they're starting to recognize that that one-dimensional pass-only kind of offense uh, is not working particularly well. Um, you know, maybe doesn't suit you as well anymore. Um, he, so here's a funny stat. Um, Oregon ran 85 offensive plays in this one. Cal ran 118. <laughs> Some sort of record, I believe. Yeah, 61 passes and 57 runs. I would have to imagine if they'd gotten three more runs and, you know, had the 61 passes, that would have been a record 60 and 60. That, that would have been, I, I can't imagine another team having done that. <laughs> this might be a record of itself, you know, 61 passes, you know, to have both your pass attempts and your rush attempts over 55. Somebody look it up. Do it. And I thought, I thought I read that they, 118 play total plays was an NCAA record. So that, I guess that would be unless, well, there'd probably be, it could be distributed differently, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would no. be, uh, that would be tough, but yeah, I mean, crazy, 
crazy game. Uh, Cal, you know, gets some momentum in this one, and and Oregon still trying to find it. Dave, uh, they're gonna have to. They host Arizona State this weekend. We'll talk about that later on. But they need to try to get a win somehow because this this Ofer in the Pac-12 uh, and staying down the bot, especially down the bottoms of the uh, near, near the bottom of the uh, podcast of champion power rankings, it's not sitting well in Eugene. No, 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 no. I, I can't imagine it is, but um, you got to win some games. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we go from that offensive explosion to kind of a baffling <laughs> game for me. This is on the Pac-12 networks, uh, Colorado and Stanford, um, ten to five. Colorado <laughs> wins this so, one. So one thing we could not have gotten more wrong in our previous show, and a few people, a few Utah fans, actually called us out for this on Twitter. Um, we, I, I think I said, I'm not going to throw you under the bus by saying we, but I said I would much rather watch the Colorado Stanford game than the Utah UCLA game, and the biggest upset in the world would be if the Utah UCLA game was exciting. Um, and the converse was that Colorado Stanford would be exciting. This game finished 10 to 5. Colorado beat Stanford 10 to 5, and the safety that they took was pretty much just so they could punt, or pretty much just like, uh, so they could bleed a little bit more to clock off. It was, this was the beyond ugly. Uh, Colorado missed like three field goals in this game. Just disgusting football. But Colorado won and they're bowl eligible, and that's really the story we should take from this. Yeah, and we did we did get a question. Um, I could read it now if you want, or yeah, go for it. We, uh, let me let me pull it up here. Once, yeah. So this was from Greg. He said, "I just listened to the week eight preview and had a quick observation. Obviously, week eight has already passed, uh, so I have the advantage of hindsight. That being said, I couldn't help but chuckle when I when you were previewing the UCLA Utah game. Dave was so bummed out." Uh, to be forced to watch this low-scoring, quote-unquote, stinker of a game instead of a much more exciting Colorado-Stanford tilt. I believe Dave even speculated that it would be the upset of the century if that game was exciting. So we've had the upset of the century now. (laughs) Yes. He said Utah 52, UCLA 45, uh, uh, 10,000, 1,049 yards combined total offense. Colorado 10, Stanford 5, 532 yards combined total offense, less than Utah alone. Man, I'm glad the dumb things I say don't get recorded for all the world to hear. Sorry, Dave. Just thought that was funny. Keep up the good work, guys, and go Utes. And then he said, actually, I suck at math. Colorado, he wrote back, Colorado and Stanford combined for 622, not 532. Uh, yeah. I guess it's kind of funny. Yeah, you that, feel now. He's, I guess no, it's kind of funny to email where I poke fun at, at Dave for having recorded audio of him getting wrong. I go ahead and send an email getting something wrong. Feel free to point that point and laugh, Dave. Oh no, no, I'm I'm used to being very wrong. Very wrong a lot of the time. So it's uh it is completely completely valid. Um yeah, no, this game was not exciting. Um I still flipped to it a few times because I am um a not so secret Colorado fan now. Um so it was exciting to see them, you know, kinda hang on in a game where, you know, a lot went wrong. I mean they they yeah, Sefa Lufau, if you watched like the first I tried to watch as much of this as I could. So I got like the first quarter live. He was way off, like yeah. just missing wide open receivers, um, just bouncing balls into guys a ton. Uh, just didn't look his usual self. I don't know if he's, you know, some lingering effects or of the injury or just, you know, one of those off games, but he didn't look so good. We got past that. Um, they got past the three missed field goals and uh, still beat Stanford on the road. And yeah, that's not such a big thing from two perspectives. First, beating Stanford on the road is never a big deal because Stanford Stadium is not 
necessarily the biggest home field advantage in the world. And Stanford obviously isn't great this year, but um, still doing that, getting a six and two. I mean, don't look now, but Colorado is favored to win the Pac-12 South. Like they're, uh, I think they're going to be favored in every remaining game, and they've got an easier road than either Utah and USC is already a game behind, and they still have to play Washington. So if Colorado, you know, I, I think that Utah tilt at the end of the year is shaping up to be a pretty big one, but I mean, they're, they're in the driver's seat. I agree. And, uh, it's funny when you talk about the mistakes, Colorado could have won this by a lot more. Like when I was, I'm writing my notes, I think probably it was in the hot tub for this one day of watching the thing, but I would put little notes in my uh, Google doc and they're always like, Colorado screwed this up. Colorado's, so they missed two field goals. Um, they, uh, they end up getting a late interception and they go for it on fourth and two and get it. And then they end up having to kick a field, a late field goal anyway. Uh, they kick the ball out of bounds. They drop an interception. Um, but I think they got an interception on in the next play anyway. But there was just stuff like that. Like, man, they're screwing up again. They're, oh, they screwed that up. They screwed that up. And it was still like Stanford couldn't take advantage. Um, and they got the win. And it's, it's rare for Colorado to get a win in the state of California. I think that's their third win in, uh, like 24 tries or something. They, you know, I think they beat UCLA once. They beat Stanford now and they had a win in the Holiday Bowl once. So it's, it's been rough sledding for Colorado coming into the state of California. And it wasn't a pretty one, but I mean, Mike McIntyre take, you know, tip the hat to him because he's done a really good job this year. And I thought he played, you know, he played a pretty good game against USC, almost won that one, uh, was able to get a win against a, a struggling Stanford team. And that was a, that was a big win for the program, beating Stanford and Oregon in the same season on the road. Like, okay, I'll take that if you're Colorado. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Um, and before the year, if you said six and two at this point in the year, it would have just been, no, that's not happening. Right. You but, mean two uh, and six, right? We, like two and six. Yeah, no, they can still come back. No, okay, yeah, yeah. No, we've been we've been buff believers here for a while now. We we picked this one right. So we this was um Stanford was was uh, favored by two. This was my one win. Yeah, and we both got this right. The uh, I forgot to mention the Oregon Cal game was a three point spread, and it looked like you know Cal was going to cover for a long time, and they ended up getting tied. So that kind of stunk. But um, so that was a that was our tie. So that was the one. Uh, Vegas got that one exactly right. So nothing we can do on that one. But this one, I think we've both felt pretty good about it, Dave, with, uh, Stanford being favored. Didn't, you know, but I think we both felt Colorado was going to win the game. Yeah, exactly. So, and honestly, they should have won by quite a bit more. Yeah. Lots of mistakes, but, um, leaving points on the table, but they get to win. That's what's important. Uh, this one was a Fox game. Uh, the one that was the upset of the century being exciting. <laughs> Because it was, uh, Utah, number 19, Utah, 52, UCLA, 45. So this one doubled or nearly doubled the over-under. That's how, that's how not expected this was. Um, so UCLA, um, has struggled to run the ball all year, right? Um, been, I think they're the worst rushing team in the country by some metrics. Um, I think by total yardage for sure, but by some other ones as well. Um, they threw the ball 70 times in this game. Uh, this is not an air raid offense, but they went full air raid in this one. And actually, um, there were no designed runs for the quarterback, Mike Faithful, but he still had six carries. So if you factor that into the pass attempts, they dropped back to pass 76 times in this football game. Let's just let that sink in for a second. <laughs> that was that was more than Cal. I'm pretty sure it was more than Washington State this week. Um this was this was bonkers, and here's the crazy part: Josh Rosen was still out. 
they did this with Mike Fable, their backup quarterback. Um, so you would have expected this to be a disaster, but actually UCLA was able to generate some offensive you know, yards. Uh, Faithful had 464 yards on his 70 attempts, which is, a, I guess, a decent enough air raid uh, pass per attempt. But he also threw four picks and had a fumble lost. Um, but honestly, the offense wasn't the issue. The defense uh, picked this game to really, really struggle against the run. Utah, Joe Williams, retiree, ran for 332 yards on 29 carries. So when we joked earlier about the penalty yardage um, in that Oregon Cal game amassing to a pretty good day for a, you know, a, a player, uh, Joe Williams did better than that because that was 28 penalties for about 279 yards. This was 29 carries for 332 yards. So if he was competing against the penalty yardage in Oregon Cal, he would have won. I mean, the fact that he came out of retirement yeah. is the best. It's like all the AARP card jokes and things like that. Right. And basically he didn't want to play anymore, whatever it was. I'm not exactly sure what the story was, but he comes, the fact that you come out and play is like, okay, that's nice. He's coming out to play, but then you come out and like set a record, uh, is absolutely bonker. So it just made this one, uh, even more crazy. I, I think Utah was lucky to have him. Obviously it was a close game and stuff. Um, Troy Williams, I think there's been some, some struggles and stuff there, but having, uh, you know, having him back and out of retirement and running the football well just seemed to give this team a spark. And they, they, I, I just haven't seen that kind of offense from Utah. I don't think all year. Yeah. And this was, I mean, this was kind of another, I mean, Utah's had a bunch of these this year where it's, it was kind of a gut check game, not in the sense that they had to come back in the fourth quarter because they were pretty much in control after, you know, that initial flurry from UCLA, but. That initial flurry from UCLA was 21 points in the first quarter, and that this is a UCLA team that's really struggled offensively. So you can imagine Utah being a little taken aback by that. But then they went and had their pretty much best offensive performance of the season. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a do-what-is-needed type thing. And, uh, you know, I think I've been underselling Utah a little bit because just not from a quality perspective because I really like Whittingham as a coach and I really like uh, a lot of their line talent, but just they've had so many injuries. Um, but they just keep winning games. They just keep winning, you know, kind of doing exactly what's needed to win games. And yeah, it might not always be, you know, pretty blowouts or, you know, those kind of laugher types games, but they're, they're seven and one. They're four and one in conference. And, you know, if, if they can take care of their business, we'll get to their game this week, which is going to be a tough one. But if they can take care of their business, it's setting up for a really fun, rivalry game between Colorado and Utah that'll have some actual stakes at the end of the season. And that's a that's a huge credit to Whittingham, huge credit to that team. You know, the offense is maybe getting a little bit healthier, but that defense has been banged up, but they you know, this was a tough game going against an offensive attack that they did not prepare for in any real way. And honestly I thought they did a credible job. Obviously they gave up five hundred plus yards of offense, but they got five turnovers. Um I thought they did they did well enough. Um and obviously well enough to win. The uh, Do you know have the penalties in front of you? I mean, it seemed like Utah had a lot of penalties in this game. I don't know if there was there a lot in this one as yeah, well. Yeah, they, they were shooting themselves in the foot quite a bit in the first half. They cleaned it up a little bit more in the second half. It was nine penalties for Utah for 103 yards and three for UCLA for 35 yards. So Utah decisively lost the penalty battle, but UCLA decisively lost the turnover battle, and turnovers matter a whole lot more than penalties. Yeah, uh, and the weird thing to me, because I, you know, I was – kind of flipping around whatever we're you know i think we're grilling doing whatever hanging out like i said but the 
the Colorado Stanford game, I believe started at 1230 and this one started at one. Yeah. Um, and it was like, this game was in halftime and the Colorado Stanford game was over. And I was like, I think I texted you like, Dave, what the hell is going on here? This is crazy. How's this the game first still? quarter alone? The first quarter alone was like an hour. I mean, wow. the two teams combined for 35 points in the first quarter, so that stands to reason. But it was, I mean, this was a long game. It was yeah. almost a full four hours. Wow. Just, that, yeah. That's, that's great. But, you know, I I didn't expect that from the UCLA defense that's been so, you know, they've been so solid all year. I thought that, you know, if, if you put up that many points, there's no way I thought UCLA would have lost. Uh, you put up 45 points or whatever. But, um, I, you know, I know that UCLA came into the season saying it wasn't going to, be throwing the ball over the field. It's going to be tougher running the ball and things like that. But I like when a team is able to change like during a week, you know, just like, Hey, we're going to do this this week, even though that's not what we normally do for whatever reason, because Rosen's out or whatever it was. And you feel like it gives you the best chance to win and, and be able to execute it. Um, and they were, I mean, they put up a whole bunch of points. So I don't think that's something that's easy to do. Um, you, know, you see people prepare all, off season for months and months and they can't get the offense right. So be able to turn that around that quickly and, and be as good as it was, you know, it's, you know, there's not a hundred yards rushing in the last three games total for UCLA. I don't believe so. You had to throw the football. So I at least give them props day for being able to say, Hey, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to throw the football 76 times or whatever to, to get a win here. And they give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, I, I applaud the creativity. Um, I thought they needed to do something like that. I've been, I've been calling for it for a couple of weeks now, but, um, maybe went a little overboard. Maybe could have thrown it 60 <laughs> times and run the ball another eight. Because by the end of the game, I mean, Utah was like seriously like dropping defensive ends. Like they were not, they were committing about four or five guys to the box. So there were some favorable boxes, but with the way UCLA's offensive line played, I, I don't, has played this year, I don't necessarily blame UCLA for even not running on a five man box because frankly, UCLA's offensive line would have been able to block one on one all year. So I get that. Um, I, I think teams are going to be a little bit more prepared for UCLA to pass the ball that much going forward. So it's not going to be as maybe, you know, they startled Utah with those 21 points in the first half, in the first quarter. But after that, they scored 24 points spread over three quarters. So, um, I think it was a little bit diminishing returns after that first quarter. Um, and I'm sure going forward, defenses are going to be a little bit more prepared but that doesn't necessarily mean UCLA can't try something else new um you know obviously this wasn't good enough to win and you could make an argument that you know going up tempo and doing the all throwing offense and being a little bit inefficient um hurt the defense too I mean I don't I don't buy that argument I think they gave up 52 points because they definitely struggled with some things but maybe that swung it a score one way or the other but whatever the case I think UCLA is still uh Still has to tinker a little bit offensively. I'm not sure. I'm not sure throwing the ball 70 times with Mike Faithful is going to be the answer going forward. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. Uh, the Bruins get a bye and, uh, you just got a pretty big game this week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Should we move on to the next game? Yeah. Yeah. So next up, uh, this was the most frustrating one of the weekend for me. I, I probably watched this the least. Um, yeah. uh, Oregon State. Heading to Seattle, uh, number five, Washington. The Huskies win 41-17. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where Washington, I mean, they never had to kick it into high gear, and so they just didn't. And it was really frustrating for us because we had Washington to cover like 36 points, and yeah. they very clearly did not do that. It was like uh, 31 nothing and a half or something, right? I mean, it was something yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, like, Washington could have won this game by 100. Yeah. They just 
they didn't. <laughs> they because, chose not to. <laughs> because that would have been cruel. And there's there's an elaborate theory going around that Chris Peterson is going to choose not to beat a single team this year by more than he beat Oregon. Um, just to kind of rub it a little bit more in Oregon's face. Ooh, that's um, a good theory. I like which that. would be so good if that's true. It would be so good. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, there, I don't know how much to take from this because Washington kind of did the thing where they just, you know, like, did you have an older brother where they, like, put their hand on your forehead and you take swings at them, but you can't get them? That's kind of <laughs> what Washington did. They just kind of <laughs> held them at arm's length by putting their hand on their forehead. Um, you know, they were, they were, they were fine. You know, Jake Browning was fine. You know, 14 of 28 for three touchdowns is a pretty pedestrian day for him, even though he had 10 yards plus per pass attempt. Uh, they ran the ball really well, but, you know, they, they did exactly what they needed to do against this Oregon State team that really wasn't a threat to beat him at any point. Marcus McMarion's doing what he can, but he's not their starting quarterback. Threw a couple of picks, under 50% passing. They ran the ball okay. Um, they didn't have Ryan Nall in this one. Um, and, you know, that's, that's an issue for them. But yeah, I mean, this, this, this is what Washington needed to do. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for us. You know, it definitely was not. Um, and, I, you know, I, th- They've been my kryptonite, Oregon State, trying to figure them out from week to week. I seem to switch like, oh, they'll, they'll cover or they won't or whatever. And, but this one actually went, but they just play so much better at home. They had the close game, uh, yeah. with Utah. They end up beating Cal in overtime at home. Um, you know, their only Pac-12 win. And it's just like, okay, they're going to go on the road in Seattle and just struggle. And you saw the first half. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was, you know, five scores to none. And you're like, okay, so th- that's exactly what we expected. But then it just didn't, you know, Washington never put their foot on the gas after that and just kind of cruised in for the victory. Yeah, we're going to win. They'll just kind of cruise in. It's not that big of a deal. So it kind of, I guess it kind of went the way we thought it would, Dave. But there's, when you're talking about that many points, that now you're making decisions. Like there's people making decisions that are to like, do we need this? Do we need, do we need to score here? Do we not? What are we going to do? And or, and Oregon State definitely played better in the second half. But it kind of like, you know, just felt weird watching this game. Like, man, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. That's 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 a good way of putting it. This is the come on, guys game. <laughs> like, uh, really? But this was... Really, guys? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Oregon State, you know, I wouldn't take a whole lot from this one if I was Oregon State because that's a tough one. Um, but I think, you know, there's still a couple of possible wins out there. Maybe yeah, I think there's still a couple of possible ones. I mean, I wouldn't sleep. I mean, we'll talk about this week. Wouldn't sleep on it. Um, weird game in Corvallis. Uh, but then they, they close with Arizona and Oregon. I mean, I think there's at least one win out there still for Oregon State. I think, I think in aggregate, they're going to win one of these five. Um, and going three and nine this year with a couple of Pac-12 wins, that's a step up. That's, that's nothing to sneer at. Um, all right. We got one more game. Should we jump to that one? Let's jump to it. And uh, there was a little controversy uh, after this one, Dave. Uh, Mike Leach, one of my favorite humans on the planet, uh, Washington State, 37, ASU, 32. Yeah, so... Pac-12 after dark, on the Pac-12 dark. Yeah, this was Pac-12 after dark. Um, so this one, yeah, the game was pretty much what you would have expected, except Washington State didn't cover like we expected. But um, while, you know... Washington State did some fun things offensively. ASU was able to shut down their running game for the most part, which was nice. I mean, that's Washington State's running game is not a joke. Um, 
but the after game stuff was the fun part. So Arizona State coach Todd Graham walks over to the uh, middle of the field, meets up with Mike Leach, and earlier in the week, uh, Leach, well, there last year there was reference to sign stealing, and then that was reiterated this year going into the game. And so Todd Graham goes over and calls him, what was that? Chicken shit? Yeah. Is that I think what there he was, them? I think there was bullshit. I think there was chicken shit. I don't think there was any other kind of feces. Was there, there horse shit? I don't, I don't believe, I didn't hear horse shit, but there was, uh, I think chicken and bull were the, the two that I had heard, I thought. Okay. All right. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> chicken and bull, I mean, you would think horse would be in there too. Yeah. They're, it could have been. We're talking you know. all, you know, kind of vaguely ranch animals of some sort. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was fun, and then Leach responded to that by walking away with this sneer on his face and then going to the post-game press conference and basically answering no questions about Arizona State and uh, dropping some line like, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to be publicly reprimanded, reprimanded and fined because he was publicly reprimanded and fined earlier in the week for uh, for $10,000. Um, but anyway, this game, um, you know, Arizona State, their their quarterback situation is a disaster right now. Um, Manny Wilkins tried to go a little bit in this one, uh, but Dylan Sterling Cole, their true freshman, ran the offense for the majority of the time, and frankly, he's just not ready to play at this level. Um, you know, it, it looks like he's you know he looks like a guy who was probably doing the scout team three weeks ago and is now kind of stuck running an offense that he hasn't necessarily learned a ton about yet. Um, and he was seven of sixteen for eighty six yards. Um, their run game. You know, it really hasn't lived up to, I, I think, the potential of its two backs, and you can probably blame the offensive line for a lot of that, but Galen Balazs and Demario Richard should be doing more than, what, 24 carries for 119 yards? I mean, that's just, you know, that's pretty pedestrian, and I think the, both of those guys are too talented to be doing that. Yeah, I thought at one point one of the notes I wrote, Dave, was I think ASU has some managers out there playing quarterback. Like, I wasn't sure... Just this rolling dudes out there, guys from the stands. It, it was, uh, it was rough. The fact that the game was this close, uh, Washington State should have been won by a lot more. They, yeah. they did stupid stuff. Like they missed a PAT. There was a punt return for a touchdown and a, and a crazy, uh, two point conversion. I, if you remember the play, it was kind of weird. Oh, yeah. There was just a lot of weird kind of stuff. But then, you know, giving Arizona State credit late in the game. They were killing Falk. I mean, they were just coming after him. Um, and the fact that it was close just was mind boggling to me. And it was like, you know, but they were still covering the game. Like it, Washington State was covering the entire time, basically. And then late in the game, ASU kicks a field goal <laughs> to, to be, to, to bring it within under the spread. And I just knew at that point, I'm like, really? Like a meaningless field. You're not going for the touchdown. You're not trying to tie the game. Mike McIntyre does. He Mac Mike so you were on the other end of that before. I was on the bad yeah. end of this twice but now. This time we were both on Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like enough just like the other one, I felt like we were on the right side of this. And they yeah. were covering the whole time. But there was just some weird shit that happened. Not bull or chicken or whatever. Just some weird stuff. And uh and that stupid late field goal and then we didn't cover. Yep. That's uh pretty much pretty much what happened. <laughs> and um history will record us on the right side. We will we'll be on the right side of history. I feel like we didn't like get this way wrong or anything, but that's just uh No, it wasn't like me saying that Utah UCLA was not going to be exciting. <laughs> it wasn't like that. No. 
Um, but yeah, the, uh, the after effects of this game are great. I've listened to other, uh, like national, pa- uh, podcasts, not Pac-12 podcasts, just national ones. And pretty much everyone talked about it. Um, it was, uh, an important, that, that Joe Williams coming out of retirement to, uh, you know, run, <laughs> run roughshod over UCLA, but just the, the post game and Mike Leach is so crazy awesome with that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, I, I think I'm on his side on this. Like, I don't think. You can't in the middle of the field with cameras all over you. Like, I don't think you can, you know, say what you really want to say to Mike Leach. I think that's like a call or something later on. The fact that, you know, he tried to do that then just didn't make sense to me. You're talking to a guy who covers Jim Mora, who makes a, <laughs> who makes a habit of doing fun things like that. Um, that fun Kansas State Bowl game was a lot of interesting stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you, it's not the ideal place. Not the ideal place in time to, uh, air your grievances, vent your spleen. So that was, so. uh, that was week eight. Um, I'd mentioned our offensive, defensive players of the week and special teams players of the week last week. So I'll do it again. Should I guess them? Oh yeah. You want to guess? Uh, offense. Who do uh, you think? Offense, Joe Williams. Yes. Very good. Joe Williams out of retirement running for 300, whatever yards. Uh, for defense, who do you think? Ooh. This could be a lot of guys. I don't want to pick another guy from that game, but Karis McKinley could have been in the conversation. He could have been. It was, uh, Tedrick Thompson for, for uh, Utah. that makes sense. That he makes had sense. Two picks, well. I believe, right? Yeah. He special teams. Are we talking Tim White for special teams? It was, uh, no, it was, um, at same game, but the other side, Robert Taylor, uh, on the winning side, he, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, wait a second. Did I get that right? No, from Washington State, Robert Taylor. Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, I was doing yeah. Tim White from Arizona. State. Okay, yeah, Washington Robert Taylor. I got confused there for a second. I know you uh, talked yourself out of it, and then you talked yourself back into it. And it was okay. Tedrick Thompson from uh, Colorado, uh, not from Utah. Sorry, Utah was with Joe Williams. So Tedrick right. Thompson is the DB from Colorado. Had a couple picks. I think five solo tackles. You don't need to call him a DB. That's that's not nice. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's not nice. That's nice <laughs> Robert Taylor, who's also a defensive back, but he, he returns kicks. Um, he had a kickoff return for Washington state for a touchdown, which I believe is their first since 2003. Uh, don't quote me on it, but I believe that's, uh, so yeah, that was a big special team play for Washington state. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, cool. Let's preview the games. Awesome. So we want to do our pack 12 roundup. All right, I'm excited. I get to use my board. We get to talk some games. So we're going to do as normal. We're going to reveal our uh, Podcast of Champions power rankings um, in reverse. And so we'll start at the bottom, work our way up, uh, depending. So we'll, we want to reveal the highest ranked teams last is basically what right. we're trying to do here. Exactly thanks, right. Thanks to our one of our callers. Um, so first we have number nine. UCLA Bruins. Um, and they're on a bye, Dave. So I don't know if you want to, is that good? Is a good, good week for a bye for UCLA? Um, I mean, in as much as there is a good week for a bye at this point, I mean, they're three and five with, I mean, even if they won out, there's such a weird scenario where they would have, where they would have even a chance at winning the Pac 12 South that, I mean, they're basically not playing for anything anymore. So. Yeah, I guess it's nice to have a bye so they can get Rosen potentially healthy, but yeah, uh, the season is already pretty much a failure. So that was my cheerful update on the East Side Bruins for all of you. <laughs> Very cheerful, Dave. Uh, wow. All right. Okay. So that was number nine. Number eight, we have 
Stanford Cardinal. Taking on, uh, going to uh, Tucson, Arizona, to take on number 12. Arizona Wildcats. All right, so this is the battle of two teams that have been, I would say both have been varying degrees of disappointing this year. Uh, Stanford, 4-3, and three, going at Arizona, 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. So this is actually the final game of Saturday night. Uh, but we do this in our own special order, and you guys can all live with it. <laughs> uh, Stanford is favored by 5.5 points. Um, so Stanford last week was not able to generate much against Colorado, but Colorado probably... You know, if you go by statistical metrics, they might have the second best defense in the Pac-12. So while Stanford's offense hasn't been good, it's probably not three offensive points bad. Um, so Arizona's defense, on the other hand, is not good at all. Um, if ever there was a game for Stanford and Christian McCaffrey to actually have a better performance, it would be this one. Um, you know, they played a not good defense against Notre Dame, but Arizona's orders of magnitude worse. Uh, so I think Stanford has a decent chance to generate some offense here. And the thing is, Stanford's defense is still pretty good. Um, I think Arizona, with all their quarterback issues, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think Brandon Dawkins is going to be ready to go for this one. Uh, maybe he will be, but I think it's going to probably be Khalil Tate again. Sounds about right. And if it is, um, I could see Stanford really putting the screws to him. So I think I like Stanford to cover here. I think I like them probably by 7 to 10. Um, I just don't think they're going to score all that much, so I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, but I think I like them to cover the 5.5. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking, if before you said the line, I was like, anything under 7, I think I'll take Stanford, so this definitely falls in that. Now, Arizona did have a bye, uh, so a yep. little bit of time to kind of uh, try to get healthy. Uh, certainly a team that's been uh, really, really banged up. Um and, you know, I got to see them, uh, you know, they, they lost pretty good to, to USC in week seven. I just, it just seemed like Dave to me, this was a team that it was going to be tough to kind of recover, uh, and get back and, and start playing good football with just so many injuries. There's so many things that's not been going Arizona's way. So, you know, I said something very ignorant. I'm, I'm looking at the, the week off report now, and it sounds like Brandon Dawkins and Anu Solomon are both back and competing for the job this week. So they might have a little bit more quarterback health. Here. Okay. So I don't know if that sways me back in their favor, but it could make this game a little bit more interesting. I think I'm still going to pick Stanford, but um, maybe Arizona will be able to generate a little bit more offensively than we thought. That's I mean, you, you hope that this team is closer to full strength. They just haven't been for a while. So uh, that would be good. Um, but I, I, for me, it's more about Stanford. I know it's going to be on the road. Um, but I just feel like this is a game that Stanford needs. Uh, they need to kind of get back to things. You know, David Shaw, sometimes you see his back to the wall like that and he's able to, to bounce back. I, I just kind of feel it'll be a little bit of a bounce back game for Stanford. So I'll still take, uh, you know, given the way the five and a half, I'll take Stanford as well, Dave. Yeah. And I looked at some of the like advanced stat projections. I think I was looking at the ESPN FPI or FBI or whatever they have. Um, and they're favored. They would be favored to win in every one of their remaining games. So Stanford, even though it might be playing the same football, um, they're playing a worse schedule over the final five games than they did over the previous five. So they have a decent chance of finishing probably in the four and one range. I think that would be really reasonable, and it's a, a not insignificant chance of finishing five and zero. Oh. So you know, given that this is effectively turning out to be a rebuilding year for Stanford, that's pretty great. 
All right. Well, let's uh, move on. We have our number uh, seven team here, Dave. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and the number 11 team. Just weird to see this team down here. Oregon Ducks. Yeah, so this one's going to be interesting. Uh, it's 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Arizona State going at Eugene. Not quite as intimidating as it used to be, but still at Eugene. So Arizona State's 5-3. and three. Two and three in the Pac-12. Oregon, as we talked about earlier, is two and five, zero and four in the Pac-12. Oregon is favored by eight points. Wow. Oh, so that leads me to believe a few things. Um, you know, the eye test with Arizona State hasn't been super compelling um, for many weeks now. Uh, they just don't look like a team that necessarily matches their record. They look more like a say three and five team. Um, and but the thing is, Oregon doesn't look like much else but a two and five team. Like they don't, it's not like they're looking like they're, they're way better than their record. They, they look like what their record says they are. So I'm not sure I get this eight point line. Arizona State's run D is actually pretty good. Um, you know, they, they can, they can shut down a rushing attack. Their secondary is bad, like very bad, but I'm not sure if, I mean, Justin Herbert's a true freshman. I'm not sure he's going to be able to put together just a consistent passing attack necessary to, to, really blow this one out and Arizona State offensively is nothing great but Oregon defensively is very bad so I keep talking myself into this and I'm not liking it because I keep telling myself uh Arizona State maybe they'll cover but I I think I'll take Arizona State here I mean I I don't think they're very good but I don't think it's a great matchup for Oregon I kind of don't get the eight points here so I'm gonna take Arizona State the eight points is baffling to me, but I'm still, that's where I'm gravitating towards. I'm gravitating towards Oregon covering this game at home. I mean, we saw them put up 49 points on the road at Cal. Um, is this the game that Oregon breaks through and gets their Pac-12 win? It's like, not only would it be their first Pac-12 win, but they got to cover more than a touchdown. Like, it's kind of crazy. But so I think either way, what if I pick, I'd be baffling. It'd be baffling to me. Like, Am I picking Arizona State on the road in Eugene, or I'm picking Oregon to cover eight points at home, and they haven't won a Pac-12 game yet? But I think I'll do. I think I'll go opposite you, Dave. I think I'll take Oregon. Uh, the Ducks have won the last nine against ASU, but I think they've had that stat against like three or four other teams this year that went out the window. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I'll take Oregon at home. I think they bust through. They scored a lot of points last week. I think they maybe figure it out a little bit more this week. So the last home game Oregon won was against UVA in the second game of the season. They lost to Colorado and Washington at home. Washington by 49 points. Yeah, that's uh, that wasn't pretty. Yeah. Um, luckily, Arizona State is not Washington. <laughs> um, yeah. Their run defense, though, is, I mean, it's it's far better than Cal's. Um, their, their run defense can absolutely give Oregon fits, so... Yeah, and, and this will be really, a fun one. This will be one I'm watching closely now because we are on opposite ends. Yeah, and that, I mean, I, I like I said when we talked about the Oregon, I thought that Oregon just ran the ball effectively um, in that game, and you know, I think that's kind of what helped the freshman quarterback go a little bit. You know, if you have a good running game, I think that helps out a lot. So if Arizona State's able to take that away, does he struggle more? Does he throw picks? I don't know, but I just I don't know. Yeah, I, I like that we're going opposite on this one. It, this is a really Weird line. I don't think it's where if I, I mean, if I would have said it 
I mean, I would have said, yeah, I, I wouldn't give up this many points if you told me ahead of time if I had to pick a line. I think like it's closer to a pick 'em or something. Um, but man, I yeah, I don't know. I just got a gut feeling, so I'm going with it, Dave. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think Manny Wilkins is still probably uncertain for this one. So, yeah, you you could be right. You could be right. Well, could be wrong. So, you could be right. We'll we'll see. Yeah, no, there, there are so many possibilities in life. So many, we're just many. gonna go with what we go with. Okay, so let's go our next game. We have number five. Washington State Cougars. Traveling to Corvallis to take on number 10. Oregon State Beavers. All right, so this game's on at 745 on ESPN2 um, in Corvallis. So Washington State 5-2 and two going at Oregon State 2-5. and five. Washington State's favored by 13.5. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm picking Oregon State. Um, I I don't have a I do not have a tactical reason for it whatsoever. Um, but I know Washington State is prone to just weird games, and I think this could easily be a weird game in Corvallis at night. Um, Oregon State's defense is not horrible, um, and I think they're going to cover this thirteen and a half. I just it it feels like they will. Yeah, that's I, that's 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 the that's the amount of my analysis on this one. 100% agree. I'm just saying that Oregon State's able to lose close games at home yeah. and and usually lose not close games on the road. This is at home. Washington State can be weird. They could score a whole bunch of points, but I just kind of get the feeling this will be, who knows, the weather could be crazy, monsoon. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah, that's a lot of points for Washington State to have to beat Oregon State on the road. So same sort of thing. I'm trying to go with my theories on Oregon State. Um they just they'll keep it close at home. So give me thirteen and a half and give me the beeves. Yeah, absolutely. Go beeves. Um and you know what? I wouldn't completely rule out the possibility of weird upset. Wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. It's not ruling it out. I think Oregon State, their defense plays well enough. I mean, obviously Washington, you throw that out the window because the Washington's a world beater right now. But I think they can, you know, limit Washington State's run game, force them to be one dimensional, and then, you know, if they get a few weird things to happen, could be could be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, yeah. So Oregon State, I've not figured you out yet. I'm trying and uh, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> but it's funny that Dave and I both came to the same thing. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. That, that pretty much means Mike Leach, uh, they're just going to, is going to win by about seven <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> so sorry, Beavs, if we, uh, jinxed you or whatever, but we believe in you right now. I haven't believed in you a whole lot this year, but at home, I think you can keep it close. That's one thing you showed me is you're able to keep it close at home. So we're going to go with that. Uh, next up, number four. Colorado Buffalo. And they take on nobody because they got to buy. So, uh, top four buffs. They get to, get to relax a little bit, Dave. Yeah, uh, it's nice. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're already bull eligible. So that's a thing. But I, I think they obviously have bigger goals in mind. Um, and they'll get UCLA, uh, next Thursday, which a lot of people thought you know, three or four weeks ago that that would be a big game in the Pac-12 South, but now it's just another game on uh, Colorado's march to nine wins or ten wins. Ten wins. So. Wow, we'll see. All right. Uh, number, so Colorado and UCLA both have a bye. They play each other. Yeah, next okay. Thursday. Okay, so they, uh, so that's interesting. Oh, that's a Thursday game. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have, excuse me, number three. USC Trojans. Uh, hosting uh, on a Thursday tomorrow night. Uh, cause we're taping this on Wednesday. Number six. 
California Golden Bears. All right, so this game is on at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. So this is in L.A. at the Coliseum. USC is favored by 16 and a half, which is, that's, that's a very big line. Um, now, I should say USC is, um, you know, if I was, if I was grading qualitatively and not based on record right now, uh, and, you know, I, they might be the, the, the second best looking team in the Pac-12 right now. Um, you know, if you're just looking at the eye test, you throw out all the records, you throw out anything that happened before the beginning of, you know, last week. Um, USC just looks like they're playing great football. Uh, Sam Darnold looks great. Um, you know, he looks like he's been playing for, you know, a couple of years already and he's still in his first year. Um, you know, obviously a few turnovers, but their defense is playing pretty well. Um, but 16 and a half is a lot. Um, and Cal's got an explosive offense. They have Davis Webb, who's a very, very good quarterback, even with a slightly banged up hand. And again, their run game is not bad. You have to respect it. It's not like Cal's team, Cal teams of years past where you could just, you know, play a bunch of coverage or blitz the quarterback or whatever it is, because they'll burn you a little bit with the run game. So, you know, I, I, I think USC is going to win this one fairly comfortably, but I, I don't think they're winning at 16 and a half points comfortably. I, I think Cal's going to be able to muster enough offensively, especially because it's USC and USC after a bye week always feels like a team that maybe kind of took its foot off the gas a little bit. And this is just historically, it always feels like that. They're not necessarily a team that comes out looking like they're, you know, world beaters coming out of a bye week. So I think this could be like a, a 10 to 14 point win for USA, but I don't, I don't see it as like 17 to whatever, 24. It just seems kind of, that seems like a big win. And I, I don't necessarily see that here. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, so. Cal's defense is pretty bad. We've seen that uh, a lot of times. But I don't think USC's offense is the kind that takes advantage of that as much. Like, if Cal's defense was better, they could, you know, USC's offense would probably still do about the same amount that they would do. It's like a th- they're going to score in the 30s probably, you know. I just don't see them, you know, you play a bad defense for for this USC offense, you don't start scoring 50 points. It's still like... Did you score 28 or did you score 35? Like, it just seems like you can do a little bit more. They'll stop themselves every once in a while. So to give up, if you're saying, like, if, I, if I'm thinking USC scores like 35 points, um, are you really holding Cal uh, to 19 or whatever? You know, I just, I'm not, I just don't see that happening. Like, Cal's going to score enough. Um, I, I think USC will win the game, and maybe it's by 7 or 10 or something like that. I just don't see it by that many. I just think USC would have to score a whole lot of points to cover that big of a spread. And like I said, I just I, I just don't see that happening, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's we're kind of in the same boat. I mean, it could happen. I mean, USC is playing. Oh yeah. I, I think playing really good football right now. Offensively, though, they just haven't. I mean, even the the game. What, what game was that they just played? Even the Arizona game, they, they scored forty eight points, but I thought they still kind of just weren't quite kicking it into into fifth gear uh offensively there's still a few missed opportunities against colorado there sure were um so i I think they're still maybe figuring things out a little bit offensively and i think that could allow cal to kind of stay around for a little bit longer cal has lost uh seven straight road games and clay helton is undefeated at home as usc's head coach so you know we'll see kind of what happens there usc's really dominated the series they've won 12 straight and uh, 14 of the last 15, 
against Cal. And I was telling you off, uh, off the air, Dave, I was watching, uh, Pac-12 Network and they had the 2003 Cal game, which is when USC ended up losing to Cal in triple overtime. And then they right. won 34 straight games after that. And then they showed the next year where Aaron Rodgers completed 23 straight passes and USC ended up beating them at the end. Um, but even those games, you know, the talented t- USC teams were close with Cal. So I, I just don't see this team. You know, they could happen, but I just, I think it's more than likely that they're not going to, they'll win, but not likely by, you know, 17 points or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So that's, uh, USC and Cal. That's the Thursday night game on what's it? That was on ESPN, right? Yeah. That one is on ESPN. Okay. At 7.30. 7.30. Yeah. So a little easier to get to if you're in Los Angeles, 7.30 versus six o'clock. And then. The game of the week. The number one game we're talking about here. We have our number one team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> taking on our number two team in the all-encompassing podcast of champions power rankings. Utah Utes. Yeah, so this one's going to be a lot of fun. And it's an early-ish game. Uh, 12.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 in Salt Lake, Washington. Favored by 10 over Utah, Um, but it's going to be, I mean, Vegas is predicting a defensive struggle. 52 points is the over-under, so this will likely finish somewhere in the 59-45 range, I would guess. Um, So Washington's 7-0 coming into this one. Utah's 7-1. You know, Washington got kind of a a tune-up game uh, going into this one. Utah had much more of a struggle. I don't know how much that plays into it, but there's some element of that. Utah's still pretty banged up defensively. Um, the, uh, I don't know. I don't think Marcus Williams, their, their kind of star safety is going to be back. Um, they've had some injuries just kind of across the board at linebacker, um, along the defensive line going back to the beginning of the year. Um, Washington, on the other hand, is a very healthy team, um, kind of firing on all cylinders offensively, defensively, the whole deal. I don't like betting against Utah at all. I, I really, really don't like it. I really don't like betting against them not to cover either. But um, I think Washington's just playing at a much higher level than anyone else in the Pac-12. You know, the one thing to watch here is Utah's pass rush. They weren't able to generate a ton against UCLA last week, despite the fact that UCLA, you know, dropped back 70 times. Um, if they can rattle Jake Browning, you know, all bets are off. But I just... I'm not sure I see it. I think Utah's maybe just a little bit banged up, and I think Washington's a pretty clear cut above the rest of the Pac-12. I think I like Washington to cover. Not necessarily by a ton, but I think I like them by, like, two touchdowns. Uh, I'm right, right along with you on this one, Dave. Uh, Ten points is a lot on the road, but I think this is going to be a game that that Troy Williams struggles a little bit against this Washington defense. And I think... I just feel that Washington's going to be able to just kind of stretch it out a little bit and be able to just kind of blitzkrieg uh, Utah on the road and kind of start off, start on them early and then just keep pounding on them and like maybe even win by more points than they did against Oregon State last week. Like it, that sort of thing. I just kind of feel they're going to get in a roll here on the road and just start going. And, uh, you know, I know Joe Williams come in of retirement. But I did some research, Dave. Chris Peterson, there's like three different lawsuits from the AARP against Chris Peterson for some of his practices. So uh hiring practices and things like that. He's not fond of retired people. Um so I think and he's, he's not phased to- by it. You know, he's already had three lawsuits. He's not phased by retirees <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. So I just think the Joe Williams factor, like he was great against UCLA. 
probably have a good game against Washington, but I don't think he's going to have a great game. And I think I think Troy Williams is going to struggle. And I think Joe Williams plays good, but not great. And that's just going to be tough uh, for Utah in this one. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff Utah was doing on the interior, Washington will now have it scouted out. You know, they were doing some tricky stuff with their run game a little bit. Obviously, they physically dominated UCLA, but they were doing some tricky stuff with their run game as well. Washington will probably have that scouted out a little bit better, and they've got a, a better defensive line than anyone else in the Pac-12. So I think they'll be able to limit Utah's running game. I really like Joe Williams. He's super fast. I think he's going to get his, but it's not going to be 332 yards of his. Um, and, you know, I think Washington's just a much, much more complete, much healthier, much more balanced team. Um uh, I don't, again, I hate picking against the Utes. They've shown this year that they have that kind of will to win games. You know, I always hate saying stuff like that because it's corny and stupid, but, uh, they've shown this year where they just kind of, you know, they don't look great and then they, they pull it out. And, uh, I, I just don't see it in this one. I think, I think Washington's just a little bit too good and too balanced. All right. So that's our picks and our previews of week nine. Um, we got our buddy Nick. You want me to read his recap? Sure. And he mentions a topic I wanted to bring up, but we'll, uh, for this, that final Utah Washington game, but he brings it up. So we'll just talk about it then. He said, hi, Nick from Cyprus with a quick rundown and questions. First Thursday night, uh, no defense game, Oregon versus Oregon 49, Cal 52 and two overtimes. That was, uh, that was Friday night, right? That was Friday. Right. Uh, OSU 17 versus Washington 41. No surprise. OSU not good. UW good. Okay, that's good analysis. Uh, Utah 52 versus UCLA 45. Is Utah's running backs uh, stopped running yet? LOL. Uh, wow. UCLA has fallen off. Colorado 10, Stanford 5. Was this a baseball game? Five points. LOL. Uh, Washington State 37. We could do our podcast way quicker if we did it this way, Dave. Oh yeah, this is better. <laughs> Washington State 37, ASU 32. I love Mike Leach. He just wins in the Pac 12. Hope WSU fans appreciate him, unlike Texas Tech fans didn't. His question statement, since college game day will be at the Utah, will be at Utah this coming Saturday, I'm calling, calling it that they will beat Washington. Your thoughts? Well, we just picked against that. Um, and what happened to Stanford, Oregon, and UCLA? All were picked to, uh, at worst, win their divisions, and all three are garbage now. Uh, last, why don't you guys praise Mike Leach and, and WSU? Uh, for what they have done the last few years, winning at WSU isn't easy, and he does it. Fight on and beat the Bears uh, from our buddy Nick. All right. So first, you know, what what happened to all three of those teams? Um, all right. Let's go through it. Stanford, I would say offensive line is my first issue with a, a slight helping of quarterback, right? Yeah. Kevin Hogan, they miss Kevin Hogan. They miss Kevin yeah, they, Hogan. They miss Kevin Hogan for sure. Um, you know, Ryan Burns hasn't been great. Um so I think Stanford, that's really the issue. Um, and it doesn't help that I think their, their offensive scheme is kind of inflexible. When they don't have the pieces, it kind of falls apart. So they need to have those pieces and they don't have them this year. I think next year will probably look a little bit better. Um, UCLA, uh, made the baffling, insane decision to go to a pro style offense without the personnel to do so. And that's been the limiting factor of them this year. Their defense, until this last game, is probably the best defense that UCLA's had under Jim Mora. Uh, but their offense is straight garbage. Um, and then uh, Oregon? Was Oregon the last one? Yeah, yeah, Oregon. 
I mean, Oregon's defense is just trash again, and their offense isn't as good without Vernon Adams. So that's pretty much what it is. Their offense hasn't been able to carry them this year the way it has in years past, and their defense is just as bad, if not worse, than it was last year. Yeah, I think I think it's it was a good effort to try bring in uh, Brady Hoke and and uh, help the defense, but also you got to go with a quarterback you recruited and let them learn and grow. You can't just keep doing the one year deal. So at least they've given that up. So maybe bright future for for Oregon there as well. We'll see. Yeah, um, we talked about Washington. We you know you he Nick's calling the upset. Um, we both did not pick the upset, and then uh, I think we praised Mike Leach. Um, they've done great stuff. The problem we have is that Mike Leach loses those FCS games early. It just makes if he goes undefeated in the Pac-12, it makes the conference look terrible because he lost to Boise State and Eastern Washington to start, and then he goes you know wipes out the the rest of the Pac-12. That means the rest of the Pac-12 by the transit of property, which doesn't work in college football, but we use it all the time. You know, Eastern Washington could win the Pac-12, so that's not what you want to see. Yeah, exactly. And uh, their special teams have, were were very bad until very recently, and now they're just like not good. So, I, I I never like teams that have just awful special teams. That just rubs me the wrong way, and I usually see that as a reflection on the head coach, lack of attention to detail, and that sort of thing. Uh, okay, we got one more, Dave. Uh, Zach from New York City, New York City said, "Hey, Dave and Ryan, I'll get right to the point since neither of you can really make harsh commentary." On the programs you cover without some sort of professional backlash. Does, does, that, does, does he listen to this podcast? <laughs> it's not, that's all we do. Like, <laughs> I get so much crap from UCLA fans for the like <laughs> dark and awful things I say about UCLA. Uh, yeah. Well, so we're, you know, Zach, we are allowed to, to say derogatory things about the programs we cover and we probably do it more. Just because we know those teams better, and so when it's going bad, we we usually talk worse than it actually is, you know. So, yeah, we'll, we probably do it more than is reasonably necessary. <laughs> um. All right. So he said, "I decided to mix it up." So, Dave, you are named the athletic director at USC tomorrow. What are the first three things you're going to do to make them nationally dominant again? And then for me, Ryan, you're named AD at UCLA tomorrow. What are the first three things you're doing to make the program nationally re- nationally relevant? Wow. Um, you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Go ahead. You can. Or either one. I, I, I'm not All sure right, what so I would do. So. <laughs> here's what I would do. Um, this is kind of what I would do as the AD in any situation. Is you immediately, If you're a USC, your goal is to win national championships, right? So you, you have to assess things. Is this coach who I have right now, going to win a national championship. Not is he going to be pretty good. Is he going to be good enough that I don't have to fire him and I don't have to work hard, but is he going to win a national championship? And I'd look at Clay Helton, and, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't just fire him out of hand. I'd interview him, interview some people around him, interview some people who are third parties to the situation, and they can assess things from afar, and they can give me a reasonable, you know, third-party viewpoint on it. And then I'd probably end up firing him, because likely he's not going to win a national championship at USC. So... And that's just, that's my own personal assessment. He might, but I, I, I think he's, uh, even if he ends up a good coach, he's still very much learning on the job. So I, I don't think that's a great place to learn on the job. So I'd fire him. And then the next thing I would do is put in calls to all of the elite upcoming coaches in the country, you know, starting with, starting with, uh, Tom Herman, but going to even guys who've already gotten jobs who are, you know, elite coaches, Justin Fuente. At Virginia Tech, you put on a call, see if he wants to come, um, and hire one of those guys. So that's really two things, but I think those are the two most important things for the AD to do. 
All right. Um, for me, let's see. So I think the same sort of thing. It's a different situation at UCLA because Jim Moore has been around for a while, but there's a lot of rumblings, a lot of fans that are upset. So I think kind of getting the boosters and stuff together and kind of figuring out what, what the sentiment is. Is it something that is he tired of being there? Um, or what we're going to do. So I, I think if you want to make a big splash, it's pretty much you have to fire the coach, right? And, um, yeah. so. I probably would do that. Not that I'm saying that Jim Moore deserves to be fired or anything, but like that's if I'm coming in there and I want to try to 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 mix things up, you kind of work something out there. And I think I'm trying to get when when if you're UCLA, a lot of the times, at least from my perspective, it seems like there's a lot of focus on beating USC, and you know, and it, you, and the fans love it, and that's and that's what you want to be able to do. But I think to try to focus more on you know, winning the Pac-12 and being nationally relevant and making sure that everyone's on board to, hey, we're going to have, you're going to be able to pay assistance. Let's bring in a big name, an offensive name, because we want to be entertaining. Um, we want to, uh, who was the, uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Joe Toledo. Uh, Bob right? Toledo. Bob Toledo. Sorry, Joe Toledo. Bob Toledo. Like his offenses were so fun. Like someone like that, like even if you lose, it's fun. Uh, I guess it was fun against, uh, Utah the other day, but I think bring in a, a big name, as big as name as you can offensive coach, because you're getting people want to pick, like national pundits want to pick UCLA to go to the playoff. They want UCLA's talented enough team, top 10, top 15 recruiting classes every year. They want them to be good. So I think you just need to be able to embrace that and bring in a fun, offensive minded kind of coach and, and do that. And I think one of the other things you do is, Make sure the basketball team's relevant again too, because that brings more national prominence as well. That's where the fans get involved. If the the basketball team's bad, sometimes it's hard to get everyone excited. You know, if, if the basketball team's winning and you get some success in football, it kind of feeds off itself. So I think that's the the kind of main things I would do. So we both want to fire the opposing <laughs> team, <laughs> and know, out of the goodness of our hearts, not because <laughs> not because we don't like the guy. Right. Uh, no. Yeah. I think. I mean. I don't think Moore is getting fired. I don't like Helton could have been. Uh, I don't think he's. There's no way they're firing Helton now because they're probably going to go four and one down the stretch. Yeah, There's yeah. Just no so. way. Now, if, they, uh, if he doesn't, you know, maybe something happens there. Yeah, I would. I would really doubt it with Moore too. I mean, even if they go, if they even if they completely crater and they go like four and eight or even, I mean, <laughs> nuclear scenario and they lose out, even losing to Oregon State, I just I, I'm having a hard time seeing it. So. As it stands, though, I, I, I saw this ta- stat on Twitter, or I didn't see this stat on Twitter. I, I tweeted this stat out on Twitter um, after I was doing a little bit of research for a thing I was writing. Um, Jim Mora and Carl Durrell, if you count the Pac-12 championship loss to Stanford in Mora's first year, they have the exact same Pac-12 record. Carl Durrell was 24-18, and 18, and Jim Mora is 24-17 and 17 regular season and 24-18 and 18 overall in the Pac-12. I would have never guessed Carl Durrell was 24 and 18. And yeah, that was actually the really baffling one. Cause I, I knew, you know, Mora's record had kind of suffered the last year ish. Um, but <laughs> if I was really thinking about it, I would have said, uh, oh, Durrell was pretty much 500 his entire career here. So I'd have him at about 500. I was kind of shocked that he was six games over. I That's... did no idea. I would have, I would have guessed maybe under, like I did not know. Well, that. I, I knew he was the king of six and six. So I, I just figured it because I knew he lost also a, a decent amount of non-cons. So I was figuring he was about 500, but okay. you got to factor in that weird 10 and two year. You got to factor it in. It's got to be thrown in there. And you know, you mentioned that is a great stat. And then one more thing you mentioned, um, Tom Herman 
And I've had people tweet me, some really weird people kind of tweet me about this. But we got a question I got in my email box, and they, he, it was Mike uh, in Dallas. He said, this could be for USC or the Podcast of Champions. So I don't know. You can't just send me a question and say you don't know which podcast it's for. But I thought we could talk about it here. So sure. with the roller coaster of a season uh, in college football, is Tom Herman's stock dropping fast or not? What do you think? Um, yeah. So do you, he had another thing, but that was not that was USC related. So what do you think about Tom Herman's stock? Because he lost to uh, Navy and lost to SMU here. I don't. I I, I don't put much stock in it at all. Um, I mean, I, I I think he's still very clearly one of the hottest up and coming names in college football. Um, I think what he did last year. Uh, who they beat in that bowl game, Florida State. Um, doing that last year, um, coming out this year and beating Oklahoma. I, I like to see coaches who beat teams that are much more talented than, than them with less talent. I think that's a mark of good coaching. And, you know, in the same way, the college football playoff is about who you beat, not who you lost to. Um, that's the, that's the metric they're really looking at. He's beaten some pretty darn good teams. And yeah, you know, you're, you're going to have weird games where you lose to SMU at any school, you know, lose to the SMUs of the world, I mean. But, um, he's beaten some real teams. And I think, you know, everything I know about his offense, about what he did at Ohio State, at all these places, I think, I think he's not necessarily a can't miss, but he's the closest thing out there right now. He is. And I don't in terms like of up and coming guys in terms of, you know, not Nick Saban, not Urban Meyer, but in terms of that next tier of guys who have not yet won a national championship, I think he's the closest thing. And, you know, and I think when you look at it, it comes after the Big 12, which they thought Houston was going to get into, did not. So is there like a, uh, you know, is everyone just kind of down after that? Like, okay. So, and, and the players kind of know, okay, well, he's gone, you know, and it, I think there's other factors there. He didn't get dumb. You know, I think there's a reason why, um, you know, he's turned Houston around so quickly. If you lose a couple games, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. They might not even win their division now, but it wasn't, it, you know, if he went 12 and 0 and made the playoff, was he that much? I mean, it'd be an amazing accomplishment, but just what he's done so far has been amazing. I think Texas will most likely, uh, fire Charlie Strong and most likely hire, uh, Tom Herman. It, w- it would be interesting to see. If LSU, Texas, and USC were all open and they were, they were all vying, uh, to get them, I still think Texas would probably have the edge. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, I, I just think at this point now it's going to be Texas, but I have people tweeting me, Dave, like, oh, they're backing off. They're blah, blah, blah. And I asked the Texas people, like, oh, no, that's not, <laughs> that's who they want. And I think that's who they're going to get. Most likely. All right. Well, good stuff, Dave. We were a little long this one. Where would we go? Ooh, hour and 15 minutes, man. Yeah. Um, but a lot of good topics and we got the, you know, number one versus number two this week, Dave. So it's a, it's a big one. It's very exciting. Very exciting times. It'll be a fun week of football. It definitely will be. So I hope you guys all enjoy your weekend week nine uh, in the pac 12. That is David Woods does an amazing job over there. Bro. Brewery report online.com. I'm Ryan Abraham. I do a mediocre yeah. job on USC. Football. You do an amazing <laughs> job at USFootball.com. Well, thanks man. Appreciate that. Uh, so check us out. Podcast of champions, pac 12 podcast.com. You want to check out all our old episodes, listen to stupid stuff we said, and then email us later on after the fact and get it wrong like our buddy did. But still, we call it, we call ourselves out all the time. You can call us out too. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast of champions and we will talk to you next time.